Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're talking artificial intelligence and how you can be thinking about it in your leadership role. Welcome to the Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is a futurist author and technology expert. He spent three decades working on enterprise computing for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory while running a parallel career in business coaching and human development. This combination led to a uniquely valuable perspective on the implications of artificial intelligence development. He teaches individuals and consults for businesses on how to thrive through the coming era of technology technological disruption. He's appeared before highly diverse audiences in several countries, including giving two TEDx talks and testifying before a British parliamentary group on the impact of AI. Here is Peter Scott. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. So I'd like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? You bet. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? So I had training in neuro-linguistic programming, and I was lucky to get it from John Grinder. And one of the sayings from that that really sticks with me, and it's, it's prosaic, but it's profound, is the meaning of a communication is the response it elicits. And I have found that has really affected my whole philosophy and um, behavior about communication. And it's taken it out of the realm of the idea that there's objective meaning and into taking responsibility for the impact uh, of my words and how they're received. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader is future-focused, purpose-focused, and people-focused. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? We're in an era where we're going to be defining ourselves more by questions than by answers, because answers are the province of machines and they're going to get a lot better at it. So questions are really important. And I think one question that we should ask ourselves, and it uncovers a lot, is what would you do or keep doing even if a machine could do it faster, better, and cheaper? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? I'm a science fiction fan from way back. And one I would recommend to a lot of people is The Man Who Sold the Moon by Robert Heinlein and has a distinction of being a book. And there aren't many, possibly one, that's on the International Space Station because it's got excellent stories about how a leader can be assertive, uh, go for what they want, and still know where they stand on the right side of uh, ethical boundaries. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I'd say look at what you care about in your business life and your personal life and ask 
how well prepared you are to deal with a technological disruption to how that thing works. This is about just elevating your perspective, what you're looking at. And now we have our final arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? You're talking to a mathematician here and in logic there's there's really not a discernible difference between these they're both essential tools in questioning accepted wisdom and as coach we do this the only difference is whether we're responding to someone saying i should or i should not so uh, someone saying well we we have to throw away the first stage of a rocket to get into orbit well why um or Someone saying, you can't have an electric car with the performance of a drag racer. Well, why not? I'm taking some of my examples there from Elon Musk, as you, you might, uh, might, might see. But those are equally valuable. It just depends on the context to me. We'll be back with the rest of our interview right after this. As the leader of your organization, you have a lot on your plate. You work most of your day, leaving you little time to think about your own development. There's a resource for you, and it's called the Leadership Action List. Get the best leadership development tips for leaders by leaders at leadershipactionlist.com. The best news? It's free. Once again, for a year's worth of weekly leadership development, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. Well, Peter, we're here today to talk about the future of business and leadership, what leaders should be thinking about when it comes to the influence of AI in business. You're the perfect person to talk to about this. And I'm just intrigued to start off. When you go to a party, what is it that catches people's attention the most? Is it that you're a futurist, you work with NASA? What is that that hook that tends to catch people's attention the most? <laughs> party? What's that? <laughs> I, think, I think you're talking about something that used to happen. Well, uh, as a computer scientist, and get invited to many parties um, to begin with, but it certainly is a lot more intriguing to people to be talking about artificial intelligence these days, because they have a sense that they're not getting an adequate picture from the the, the media, um, the, the 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 popular coverage, and it's because it's very hard to do that. So they have heard, in general, something some soundbite from from somewhere and probably accompanied by a picture of the Terminator. Uh, and then they say, well, what's, what's that about? It, it, are, are we going to lose all these jobs? How is that going to happen? And they're trying to fill in the gaps that were left by these, these reporters uh, who only had 30 seconds to convey this uh, incredibly complex thing. And, and and that's the the thing that I enjoy talking to people about with AI because it is it it is about complexity itself. It's a it, the whole topic is not just complex; it is complexity, and and helping those light bulbs go on for people is what um, really excites me. What is it that people tend to get wrong about AI? Like you said, there are a lot of assumptions, a lot of scary pictures, scary thoughts, and maybe maybe you knowing what is likely to happen or what could happen, having a better idea of the, the future possibilities than the average person, you might think that it's scary. I don't know. But what do people get wrong when it comes to thinking about the future and AI? Sure. And people tend to be too scared about the wrong things and not scared enough about other things. 
And it, it's hard, it, the, the hardest thing to get right about AI is understanding exactly what impact it is going to have on jobs, uh, for instance, to understand how much it is like a human brain and how much it isn't. Because if, if human brain capability is like, you know, we've got hills and valleys, AI's capability is like ocean trenches populated by 100,000 foot mountains in between. Some things it is very, very, very bad at compared to us and other things incredibly good. And yet those things that it is very good at, we tend to associate with people who are very smart, brainy and can do all those other things as well. So if you're playing chess against a computer, it will beat you. It will beat every person on the planet. No question about that. But it is much, much harder for it to command a robot to move a piece on a chessboard, mm. something that a four-year-old can do. Understanding those differences and where the, the real threats are and what the real capabilities of AI are now is something that uh, it takes a lot of, of fine-tuning. And hopefully we'll develop some of that more in this interview. One of the stats that was handed to me in preparation for this interview is that 47% of the general workforce is expected to be automated out of a job by AI within eight years. So what does that look like? Where do people go? Um, how should people begin developing uh, their businesses for that? Right. That, that statistic alone uh, is subject to a lot of commentary. It came out of the Oxford Martin program for the study of the future of work in England. And professors Fry and Osborne did this study of all the job classifications in the standard index put out by, I think it's the Department of Labor or the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And so that's like 700 plus classifications. So it's just a lot of work. And for each one, they assessed different uh, dimensions of that task, that job, uh, according to how automatable is it. And, and that was how repetitive are the actions, physical or mental, of that. So a lot of work characterizing all these things. And they put it together with how much money do those people make and um, how many people are in those professions. And you've you've got charts with uh, tables with hundreds of, of uh, rows, many columns, and then gets boiled down to something that says 47%. And that came out in uh, 2014. And they actually didn't say when this was going to happen. But I talked to them and they said, well, 20 years is what we were thinking, which is where that's what gets us to this uh, six years or, uh, or so from, uh, from here. But some of this is is highly debatable. Mm. Like they put point of sale clerks on there as being quite automatable because they're doing repetitive actions a lot. But those are repetitive physical actions, folding clothing, for instance, in a clothing store. But the state of the art on robots folding T-shirts is risible. I mean, they take a minute to, to fold a T-shirt if you set it up just right. Uh, it'll get better, but this doesn't mean that that aspect of that job is about to be automated. Uh, and then you've got a spectrum all, all the way up to white-collar information work, jobs like paralegal and um, radiologist, where AI can do a lot of things that require humans to be trained 
for many years at a high level of expertise. But it's not about to replace them. It, it will, you have to have a human to, to drive these things. It will augment them. Now, there can be a trickle-down effect where there may be not as many people hired in that respect. So it's more of a problem for the people entering the workforce than the people in the workforce. So, you know, you said earlier that the questions we ask is a lot more important than the answers we give because AI can give answers. That's kind of what a lot of artificial intelligence is is built for. So how do, first of all, how do leaders begin positioning themselves for being able to lead their businesses more effectively with that in mind. And how do you begin developing your workforce for an AI future where employees are also valued and valuable in the workforce? Right. Um, there's an excellent chart, by the way, in Kai-Fu Lee's uh, book about AI superpowers, where he makes a quadrant diagram of uh, jobs in along different taxis and characterizes them according to different types of risk to of, of automation, which I would encourage people to look at. So I think the first takeaway for, for leaders is become a futurist. The future is no, no longer something you can afford to be optional about or wait for it to come to you. Um, that's going to be more painful. Um, I, I like to say that this disruption is about the unknown and we're often cool with the unknown if we are say exploring the amazon and i think then exploration is when you visit the unknown disruption is when the unknown visits you uh, takes that that choice away there's going to be a lot more of that and 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 to constantly be asking yourself what is it that i really want to be doing what is my real purpose here to look at for instance the example of kodak they actually invented the digital camera it's that's where it's it started an r&d department that other people in the organization weren't listening to as well because their identity was implicitly bound up in long thin strips of plastic and someone said well that's that's not going to go away right uh, and even I felt, you know, 20 years ago on oh, no, a digital camera's not going to reach that. Well, we know what happened. We know what happened to Kodak. So you, you've, you've got to um, examine what business you're in, what business you think you're in, and what business does your culture of your organization say you're in. So what does that look like? Going a little bit deeper, maybe an example. You gave Kodak, but thinking today, how do you begin thinking about what business you're in or maybe what business you think you're in, what you're really in, and how to begin positioning yourself a little bit differently, even if you're still going to be providing a similar result to clients? Well, uh, it's, it's all about the people, mm. for, for, for one thing, um, and asking those right questions. And it's, it's, it, that, that's a very context-dependent thing, because as a coach, I'm trained to deal with the person in front of me, and you're asking me to imagine some arbitrary population. Understanding where the sources of conflict and and harmony come from in your, your company, um, and the communication among the, the, the principles is important. E examining the most cherished uh, and implicit assumptions, for instance, the um, the C-suite. Now, the value that the C-suite provides, you see in things like meetings where the 
chief marketing officer provides reports on uh, on on studies that you integrate that with the chief um, technical officer talking about what's coming up in R&D or the chief financial officer saying here's what we can afford and and what we can't and our, our revenue streams and the CEO uh, puts all of this together does the magic and says we're going to take that product out and put that one in and that is one of the pinnacles of human thought it's also the type of thinking that could be done to a large extent by ai because it relies on a lot of structured data that you can ha- find many examples of and as much as we might like to think that that's intuition and it is it's also the type of intuition that can be automated in the same way that we get programs to play chess or go so you can examine the role that AI could play at that level. Um, it, 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 to do that kind of thing, you'd still want to be in a, in a fairly um, well-capitalized business. It's not coming down to the SMEs at the moment. But that's an example of, of what do you, uh, what, what's core in your business. There's a lot of HR functions that we would think, well, that's got to be done by a person, right? Like interviewing that are being done by AI right now that can conduct video interviews and assess um, someone's psych- psychometric uh, fit for your your company. There, there are different businesses already competing on that, I'm not offering an opinion on their um, relative merit, but they are in business. They are making a way in in that. So you you have to to stay on top of this because. Even if you don't believe in those things, if your competitors do, will they gain an advantage and beat you on the margins? And one of the things that some of what you said, especially about the C-suite, um, one of the things that came to mind is how do you begin trusting the the algorithm to give you the answer or the the judgment that is best? That's that's popularly speaking, that's one of the the issues that I hear raised the most just with friends or, or people that I interact with thinking about driving and things like that. How do you how do you begin judging what you should swerve into or not swerve into? And and how do you begin knowing that the answer that you're getting is the best and based off of a worldview or, or judgments that you value? Mm. Well, the AV question, uh, the ethics of things like the famous trolley problem are um, in, in a different class uh, than what an enterprise would uh, encounter in the trustability of uh, trustworthiness of uh, decisions made by an AI. Let's talk about those because you'll encounter those more often. Mm-hmm. The issues of bias and explainability are extremely hot right now. It's creating uh, entire new job classifications of people that know how to handle those things. You look for data ethicists and data scientists. And um, we we hold AI machines accountable to a different standard from people. We actually judge people by their intentions, but we judge machines by their actions because we figure they can't have intentions. And so in, in some respects, there's often unfair expectations placed on AI. But nevertheless, AI will amplify biases that are in the data. So data scientists can can help you find it. Um, classic example came in, uh, I think, about 2015 when Google Photos, um, which will tag images, 
tagged picture of some um, black person's friend as gorilla. Um, you find that on Twitter very easily. Uh, that's not the result of rampant racism at Google. That's the result of their data not being properly curated and 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 uh, gross oversight. The right kind of, of of scientists can find that. And then there's explainability, and and this is is critical because so much AI now operates on a principle where it's not like straight old-fashioned code where you know how it got to the answer because you can trace every line. And AI is like a black box with a million magic numbers in it that were formed by training it that will then magically produce the right answer the next time that you ask it that question. But if you ask it, why did you make that choice? It, It either won't be able to tell you or you probably won't understand the answer. And and these are important, not so much perhaps when we're doing facial recognition. This person is so-and-so. Great, not a big deal. This person was turned down for a loan by the AI. Now we want to know why. Sure, sure. So a lot of questions come to mind just from what we've talked about today. Two come to the, the, the top of my mind, though, as far as relevance for whoever's listening right now. The first one is how can we be using AI right now? Like what are some uh, some ways that people may be overlooking that are accessible and helpful in a business context, helpful for any number of reasons, either to grow business, um, to help the people within the organization, anything that people may not be using right now, may not know about to either start using today or be looking out for in the near future? The place to look is to examine in your organization, where do you have a lot of data? It's the data that will be your strategic asset. It may not have looked like it had that kind of strategic value before, but anytime you have a lot of data, that's what AI will drive off. Not so much expertise, that's still hard to convey to an AI, but today's AIs that produce powerful results run off lots of data. So anywhere you've got at least 10,000 data points, preferably 100,000. If you've got a million now, you're, you're, you've, you can really do something, whether it's customers or widgets. You can use those pre- to predict things and tune things you may not have, have, have thought about. Google looked at the patterns of power consumption in their data centers. You've got a lot of data points there, right? They've got a lot of data centers and a lot of processes in them. They let an AI loose on that, and it figured out how to drop their power requirements by 40%. Wow. Now, that's a a big thing. So scour the organization for large data sets. The more those are proprietary to you, the more strategic value you can derive from them. And it might not be something that uh, was core to you that you you were were thinking of it might be something that you can go into a, a, a sideline maybe if you're running a, a real estate business and it's making this up on the spur of the moment but um you've got a, managing a lot of properties around the country you've got a lot of data points maybe up until this point all you were doing was the the management and um and and, and rentals but what else can you do with that data that could be valuable to someone in understanding here is like demographics of people in Mm. in these areas here here are what do you know about this that you can put together with things like income and expenditure that's 
that can be valuable. And then the final question is, what should people be doing to develop their their skills so that they will be more effective in the workplace and as leaders in the future as we have more AI impact in business? And this gets back, first of all, to purpose. Why are you here? And develop that skill. That Because a, a CEO whose favorite thing to do is stand in front of their, their, their people and get them charged up to go out and, and, and make a difference, um, shouldn't start thinking that what they need to do is become a quant and, and, and learn machine learning algorithms and, and, and that. You know, it, it's got to be the right match. When you start from that, then you will develop something that you want to get out of bed for in the morning. And it could be that uh, communication to to people to motivate them. I mean, that's what turned out for me, a computer scientist, to do that. It could be that you're exceptionally good at or driven to figuring out sources of cultural bias, uh, understanding cultural differences and breaking down cultural boundaries within and outside of your business, which would be another important thing. Anything that is outside of the realm of, of what computers can do, which is where I, I'd like to drive that, that, that the, the thinking, the message is, can you take the, your, uh, more of your role as a leader out of that business analytics, business intelligence type decision of which widgets should we make more of, which factories should we close down? Because that is perfect fodder for an AI, and someday someone is going to figure that out. Well, Peter, if people have loved what they've heard today and maybe have thought of a lot of other questions they'd like to have answered or just want to learn more about AI, I'd love for you to share where people can go to find out more about you and the work that you do. Absolutely. I've got a weekly podcast myself. Uh, it's called Artificial Intelligence and You. It's also at AIandYou.net, A-I-A-N-D-Y-O-U.net. And we talk about all kinds of things to do with AI from science fiction to philosophy to machine learning to robots just to help people get their arms around something that is so big that it's been likened to the new electricity it will flow through everything in our lives eventually and love taking questions there perfect well Peter thank you so much for your time today it's been a pleasure absolutely mine too I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Peter. If you did and want to check out his podcast, you can find that link in the show notes below or at lifeasleadership.com. Now, unfortunately, I don't have any tools that I can share with you to help you more effectively compete against artificial intelligence. But if you want to invest in yourself, one thing I encourage you to do is to check out the free leadership action list. This is 52 steps you can take to improve your leadership. In other words, one action for you to take every single week of the year. You can download this at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, to download your copy of the free Leadership Action List, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.